Show Me The Science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, Luke O'Neill here and welcome to my Show Me The Science podcast where every week I pick a topic and I witter on about it. I hope you enjoy it and um, thank you very much again for people who get in touch with me and say they've enjoyed it and they've got someone who's got questions which I always try and answer so that's quite nice as well. I'm always happy to try and answer any questions you might have. And by the way, please recommend topics and this one actually was recommended about four months ago. Uh, two separate people emailed me for some reason. I think I touched on it in a previous podcast. Now, please go into this in a bit more detail. And it's the science of addiction. And it's a very serious thing. Obviously, addiction can be hugely problematic for people. So I'm very happy to respond to these requests and talk about the science of addiction. And, and what's really triggered me to, to, to discuss it after four months after it being recommended is a huge paper has just come out, a big discovery in Nature. And like I said, you've probably heard before, Nature is the big journal in science. If you get your work published there, everybody reads it. It's seen as very eminent. Uh, the papers are, are, are vetted very carefully. Now, it isn't always true that Nature was a correct, of course, but by and large, what's published in Nature persists. All the great discoveries in science have appeared in Nature. Darwin and evolution, the double helix of DNA, you know, all these great papers. So when you see something in Nature, you kind of pay attention more. And this big paper has just come out in nature on what causes addiction and in particular uh, the genetics of addiction because if we could only treat it or prevent it wouldn't that be tremendous given the amount of suffering that addiction causes in many many people and how common addiction is and of course we're talking about smoking and alcohol they're the two big ones and, and, and this publication specifically addressed that but there's many things you can be addicted to gambling is another very serious addiction and, and these destroy people's lives so it's a very important topic for science to investigate to help people who might be at risk of it or who might develop addictions in various ways the, the big question has always been is it environmental in other words, if you're brought up in a way that might promote addiction or maybe you've had trauma in your childhood and then you're more likely to become addicted, or is it genetic? And of course, as ever with these complex things, it's the combination of the two. It's probably you've got a certain gen- genetic background and then your life experience reveals that. And again, I've, I've used this phrase before, it's nature via nurture. So your nature might be inclined to be addicted, but unless you nurture that in a way, then you won't reveal that genetics unless you've had a life experience. And that seems to be the case. So it's pretty complicated. In some people, it could be more the environment, more than genetics. In others, it could be more genetics. So it's a bit tricky. Uh, The reason why this paper I'm going to talk about is important is they studied, and wait for this, 3.4 million people. Now, that's a huge study, let's face it, and the commitment of the investigators and the scientists and the doctors to get all those samples and analyse them. And as some of the samples are there already, the UK Biobank has been taking loads of samples, you know, and you can now go into that repository and examine it. But even still, it's a huge tour de force to examine 3.4 million people, to ask the question, can we find genes that link into addiction? And given that number of people, a lot of the people in that large cohort will have alcoholism or smoking addiction so you can really dig into the data then and try to find out now of course the dream would be you'd say ah that's the gene you know and if you carry that particular version of the gene and remember this genetics business is all about we all have this we all have the same genes we've just got we just got different variants of them you know and you might have a variant of a gene that's more active than my variant or less active So we both have the same gene, just in your case, say, it's changed in a way that makes it more or less active. And that's what this overall business of genetics can be about in humans, you know. So we were hoping you might say there's one gene here 
or a handful of genes. And those versions explain this addiction. And then if you correct those or target them or repress them or whatever it is, you might be able to prevent addiction or treat it. Sadly, it's three and a half thousand genetic variants came up in this analysis. And again, that just shows you how complex it is. And I guess that's another reason why progress has been stymied because maybe less people were studying. You couldn't find them in the smaller number of people. Um, maybe, you know, uh, as I say, the, the number was so high, you needed 3.4 million people. To, to give a full account of this, you see. So you end up with three and a half thousand genes, but now we have them in our sites. I guess it's somewhat tractable now, over three and a half thousand genes are there. And, and then the question is, if you take someone who is addicted to alcohol or a drug or whatever it is, will they be carrying certain sets of those genes becomes the question. And of course, the health aspect of this is huge because obviously if you're addicted to smoking, at much higher risk of cancer, heart disease, psychiatric problems is hugely elevated during addiction as well. So, so again, looking at that, and, and this study examined that, by the way, and all those people, like how many did have psychiatric problems and could you correlate that with their addictive behaviour and then could you link it into genes as well? So it's an intensely, I read the paper, it took me a good while because it's very, very complicated. Uh, but now let's look at these genes and see what we can learn from them. Well, first of all, other studies actually had shown the overall genetic uh, uh, contribution here is 40 to 60% of the risk of becoming an addict. So it's half in your genes and half in your environment is the way to think of it. And this study kind of confirmed that as well overall. So we know now the environment and the genes combined. So, and, and, and that often comes from identical twins where you have one twin becomes addicted to something and one doesn't. So it can't just be genetic. If both twins became addicted, then it would all be in the genes because, of course, identical twins share exactly the variance in genes. And, and that's not the case. Some, some One twin will become addicted or they won't. And that must be because one twin was exposed to certain environmental triggers or experiences in their lives that the other twin wasn't. So, so it's roughly, say, 50%. Genetic, And then what, what are those genes, of course, is what this study tries to address with 3,500 genes being found. Now, 39 genes is interesting, right? They homed in on 39 specific variants, and that seemed to predict age of onset. So if you carried particular combinations, you would develop the addiction at a certain age, maybe younger rather than later, you know. And they're trying to correlate these genes then with the risk of developing addiction at a, at a certain age. And that can be useful. So let's say you do carry gene 1 to 39. They'll know, oh, you're at risk of developing addictions in your teenage years, say, for instance. And let's, let's study that now in more detail. And again, could we target those genes in some way? 243 variants were tied into the number of cigarettes people smoke. Now, there's a very granular thing. Can you imagine? They measured in the smokers, in the 3.4 million people, the ones who are inclined to smoke more cigarettes had 240 genetic variants linked to that. And then there were 849 genes. Now, again, these numbers are mind-blowing in a way. Correlate to the number of alcoholic drinks you take per week. And again, if you carry that combination of genes, you're inclined to drink more over the course of a week. Now, again, these are useful things to know because there's something going on there. You know, if you're carrying that particular set of genes, you're inclined to drink more per week and that increases your risk of becoming an alcoholic, you see. And of course, now that they have all these numbers and they have all these genes in their sites, as I say, the next move will be to, can you somehow correct this? Or Now, because of so many genes, that makes it very challenging, of course. But can we understand more about these processes that these genes are regulating? Now, now previous studies had homed in on single genes. And, and these are standing up, by the way. These genes are now um, sort of seen as, as reasonably validated. One is called DNMT3B. Now, I know this 
the names become terrible in the end. If you carry that variant in that gene, you're at risk of becoming addicted to smoking and being a heavy smoker. So the ones with that variant were inclined to smoke much more than other people. Now again, wouldn't that be great if we could know more about that gene? Because that might, if you could target that then, you'll decrease the level of smoking and heavy smoking and that would be very beneficial. Another one, CHRNA5, uh, that doubles your risk of being addicted to cigarettes. And that's held up as well. And that particular gene codes for a protein uh, that's called the acetylcholine receptor. And nicotine is in cigarettes and binds that receptor. So you can imagine now if you carry that particular version of that receptor, maybe it binds more nicotine more tightly and you get a bigger high from the nicotine and then that gives rise to addiction. So again, that gene is of interest. And again, you can imagine blocking that acetylcholine receptor could help people come off the old cigarettes and decrease the risk of becoming addicted to it. And then with the alcohol one, there was alcohol dehydrogenase 1B, aldehyde dehydrogenase 2, and also one called GABRB1. Uh, and finally, one called beta clotha. Now, you, I mean, you, you need to know your, your your biochemistry to pronounce all these damn things. Beta clotha, that's beta, K-L-O-T-H-A, those who are interested in it. All those genes have been linked into alcoholism. And in the case of beta clotha in particular, if you carry that one, clotha, it lowers your risk of being an alcoholic. So again, that's a good thing. So can you imagine if we could boost that one in people at risk of becoming alcoholics, it will decrease, you know, the chance of them becoming an alcoholic, which will be tremendous. So all of those are implicated now in alcoholism. And of course, as their name suggests, alcohol dehydrogenase, that's involved in metabolizing alcohol. Aldehyde dehydrogenase, that metabolizes a product of alcohol called aldehydes. And again, if they're off kilter, basically, is the idea this will increase your risk of becoming an alcoholic. So again, really interesting. That could be target these, could be study more about them, you know, and it'll be extremely helpful uh, to do more on this work. And by the way, those genes I've mentioned, they're a big part of this 50% risk thing. So if you're carrying those genes, that's the bit that's putting you at risk of alcoholism. And then if you combine that with the environmental effect, then the risk is enhanced. So it's very complicated, isn't it? Now, what sort of environmental effects are we talking about? Well, stress in childhood and teenage years is, is, is a huge risk factor for developing addictions later in life. And the stress can be anything. It can be abuse, it can be violence, it can be seeing violent things, whatever it might be. So, so that really has a big effect on this. So if you're unlucky to carry these genetic variants, combined with a traumatic experience the risk is huge then for developing addictions later in life now what's the answer to that well you know obviously we can, you can try and protect children from these things happening but if, if it happens to them you may go after these genes now and decrease their risk of subsequently developing these addictions which will be tremendous wouldn't it let's face it for helping people in that way now the very last thing I want to tell you is now again I might summarise again can you imagine 3.4 million people 3,500 genetic variants uh, linking in to these addictions I've given you a few specific examples that were there before in previous studies as well and all of this means progress doesn't it it's tremendous and, and as you would all know by now I'm looking for the glass half full here saying look there has to be progress in helping people who are at risk of becoming addicted to something or developing addictions and this is where this is going to go next is companies and drug companies in particular pharmaceutical companies rather will look at this now and see can we target some of these things to, to help people because that's what it's all about in the end helping human health and addiction is so common it's such a devastating thing so again great progress there but the last thing I want to tell you very interesting guess where we got some of these genes from these variants Neanderthals can you believe it so when they identified some of these genes especially for the smoking one 
and the risk of being addicted to uh, nicotine in particular, it looks like we inherited those genetic variants from Neanderthals. Now, again, as I've mentioned before, there was evidence began to emerge that uh, when Homo sapiens goes into Europe, we meet the Neanderthals, who we see as cave men and women. And it was always a question, did we have sex with them and have, have children with them? And we did. That's the evidence, first of all. And the genes we got from the Neanderthals seem to be tied into the risk of addiction especially nicotine. Now, it can't be the case that these cavemen were sitting around caves puffing on cigarettes because cigarettes weren't invented then. It must be something in foodstuffs, like tobacco, I guess, and things like nicotine. And Neanderthals had developed addictions to these things. And then we've inherited that gene, those genes from Neanderthals. So it's a very strange consequence of having sex with a caveman, if you like, is uh, those genes end up in Homo sapiens and increase our risk of becoming addicted to things. So the origin of some of these addictions could have been way, way back... Now, we are talking 100,000 years ago or 80,000, 50,000 years ago when this happened. They haven't got a precise date on it. But certainly when we began to meet the Neanderthals, we inherited the genes from them that increased our risk of becoming addicted, especially to nicotine. And there may be, well be more genes in there that we inherited from the Neanderthals for whatever reason. That might have given Neanderthals an advantage back in those far-off days to have those addictions, to eat certain foodstuffs maybe for their health, you never know. But certainly some of the genes have come from Neanderthals that increase our risk of addiction. Again, a quirky little finding at the end. But the bottom line overall is then there's always hope here because all this great science is happening. Will it be possible then in the future, not, not in the next year or two, sadly, for those who are addicted, but still the future has to be bright because if we understand more about the genetics of addiction, we may be able to prevent it, or treat it when it emerges, and that will be a tremendous thing, given the devastating toll that addiction has in so many families and so many people. So there you have it, the science of addiction. Great progress has happened in, in, in this nature paper that I mentioned, and there will be further progress as well, without doubt. So thanks very much for listening, as ever, and I hope you uh, got something out of that one. And thanks to the people who suggested it as a topic. And remember... News Talk production as ever and it's for download every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts from and thank you very much again for listening.